Let's bring him in now. Former NBA player, Mo Evans. Mo, how are you? Man, I'm great. I'm happy to be here and talk to you guys. How you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for joining us. Let's get right down to it. You look at last year in the NBA, NBA playoffs, that's where we're going to start at. You saw the Golden State Warriors and the Cavaliers in the NBA Finals, and that was the thought everybody knew that was going to happen, and it happened. This year, it's so wide open. How good is that for the NBA? Parity is always great for the NBA. That's what David Stern and Adam Silver has always wanted. That's what they strive for, and they've gotten it. You know, there's a lot of teams that have a chance, even though I still think that, you know, um, the teams, you know, Golden State Warriors are still a, a heavy favorite because until you upbeat the champion, they're always – you have to take them serious. The Rockets are looking great. And even Cleveland, you know, um, still being a little bit, um, you know, inconsistent, but they're still a threat. For sure. So, the playoffs – almost a week old at this point. Is there anything that stood out for you? Well, there's the injuries. How well Boston has continued to play with the injury of Kyrie Irving, how well Philly is playing right now. I think that that's, I mean, that's a, a definite shock. And then you've seen a lot of young players coming of age. So I think that's something that's always good for the game. For sure. We're talking to former NBA player Maurice Seven. So we look at LeBron James. 44 points last night. And the Cavaliers barely get by the Pacers. They do tie the series 1-1. Should the Cavs be concerned? You know, I mean, I think that uh, anytime you got LeBron James, I mean, I, I, I really wouldn't be concerned. I mean, he's, he's still arguably the best player in the game and, and able to affect his team positively better than anybody else in the NBA, so I don't think that that's a, uh, a concern at all. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I think Oklahoma City, you know, that's the one that concerns me a little bit um, is if I'm Oklahoma City and, and Utah is stolen one, they're going back to Utah, a difficult environment in Salt Lake City, and uh, team brimming with confidence. How do you view that OKC team? I mean, you know, you bring in Melo, you bring in Paul George to go with Russell Westbrook, he averaged a triple-double this year. But you look at OKC, for whatever reason, it hasn't completely come together. Does it come together during these playoffs? I don't think playoffs is really the time when uh, you can try and build cohesion and chemistry. I think you have to do that throughout the season. You know, when I look at it, you know, I think that people underestimate, you know, how well, um, you know, teams like even with James Harden, Fitz Paul, different players that they mesh together the way that, Golden State Warriors has been able to do it in the way that LeBron James has seamlessly did it in Miami and in Cleveland with the, the different power players that he's had with him. So I think that people just underestimate that process because it hasn't come together as well as everyone thought it would for OKC. Definitely. And going back to LeBron, I mean, the guy is playing some big-time basketball, 33 years old, 15th year in the NBA, still putting up some big-time numbers. Some say he's the greatest of all time right now. But how do you view it? How do you view LeBron James in terms of the greatest of all time conversation? I don't really ever get caught up into the rhetoric. I mean, I think that, you know, I played against LeBron. Um, LeBron is obviously, unquestionably, one of the best talents NBA has ever seen. But I don't even know if LeBron would say that he's the best of all time as of yet, as of today. You know, you still have people like Michael Jordan, who is our obviously, you know, one of the most dominant players ever to play the game. 
you know, you can't, it's hard to compare errors and everyone has agreed to that. But you also got people like Bill Russell and all the rings that he has. You got, you know, players who have come and gone like the Will Chamberlains and things of that nature. So it's, it's hard to compare, you know, um, players from different eras. LeBron James is unquestionably one of the biggest talents uh, the game has ever seen. On and and, and it's a tough argument because, like you said, eras and all different type of eras. And a lot of guys have put up a lot of numbers and did a lot of special things over the years. So it, it is a difficult top, difficult, difficult conversation from the standpoint. It, it's hard really to say, I mean, at the end of the day. But LeBron, if he continue this way and if he can maybe win a chip or two, he's trending towards that. But we'll see what happens. He's got a lot of years left, a few years left, and we'll see where he ends. We're talking to former NBA player Mo Evans. So I want to ask you this. Looking at the Wizards and the Raptors series, you got Toronto up 2-0, and I'm looking at the Washington Wizards. This is a team, you know, that's kind of been up and down this year, a little bipolar this year, lost some bad teams along the way. If the Wizards lose badly in this series, should the Wizards think about breaking this thing up? You know, to be honest with you, I think the Wizards, I agree, they have been very inconsistent throughout the year. But the thing about just blowing teams up in this day and era doesn't make a lot of sense, in my opinion. If I'm a GM and you've already over-invested into these players, every team has a, a spin mandate. So it's not like they're not going to have to continue to spin aggressively to keep up with that, you know, that, that exception that, that we negotiated in the CBA. So, um, you know, to me, it's like they need to continue to add – players through free agency and through the draft to keep up with the core that they have. They have a good nucleus, and if they can supplement that with a few key players, now they become a dominant player and a dominant force, you know? So, so you feel like with Wall, with Beal, with Otto Porter, Gortat, those guys, you feel like if you can add a couple pieces, they can be right back in the mix? Yeah, I mean, I think they're already in the mix. If you just add one talented player, I mean, say if they get a, a top rookie that comes out of the out, you know, somehow that that plays extremely well. Say if they go get Kevin Dur- Kevin Durant or somebody like that, you know, he's coming up on his deal. He's on a two year deal with all that stuff. Say he goes back home and wants to play in in in, in Maryland, you know, so he plays for a DC or some, you know, just one they're one free agent away, in my opinion, from being a true contender. Coming into the season, I felt like they were like a piece away. You know, you thought maybe Otto Porter could be that piece. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. But it doesn't look like he is at this point. But they're they're like that one piece away from being a, a team that can compete in the Eastern Conference. I'm not saying they can get to the NBA Finals, but a team that can be, you know, an upper echelon team in the Eastern Conference. So the Toronto Raptors, the team that the Wizards are playing, 59-win team, a team that doesn't always get a lot of credit, mainly because of past playoff failures, but are they the team to beat in the Eastern Conference? I would say that they are. I mean, they're top-seeded teams. They're playing like it right now. Um, you know, you, you can't definitively say that Cleveland, the way that they're playing right now, is better. You can't say that Boston, undermanned without Kyrie Irving, is, is better. You know, you don't know how they're going to perform when they actually play head-to-head. I know they played, um, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, but, you know, you, you don't know what that game is going to look like when, when with Toronto having home uh, court advantage and, and, and hitting on all cylinders. I think the thing that makes them better than they've been in the past is the bench. 
their benches come in scoring and playing with great confidence. And to be a championship caliber team, you have to get help from everywhere. You have to be well-rounded. You can't be a one-dimensional team, and they're no longer one-dimensional. For sure. They're definitely a deeper basketball team than they have been in years past. And we'll see what happens. So, for you, in the Eastern Conference, it does it come down to the Cavaliers, the Raptors? To me, it comes down to the Cavaliers, Raptors, and the Philadelphia 76ers. Those are the three teams, in my opinion, that could possibly get to the NBA Finals. How do you view it in the East? Out of the East, I think that it comes down to, as you said, Boston, Cleveland, and uh, and obviously Toronto. And, and, and with that stated, you know, I, I still believe – that Cleveland's going to emerge out of the East. And until someone supplants LeBron James, you know, you're going to have to, you know, until he doesn't make an NBA final, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still rolling. I'm still believing that he's going to find a way to get it done. Because he, he's, he's just, it's, I don't bet against champions. Okay. All right. And it's, and it's hard to bet against LeBron James for sure because seven straight NBA finals appearances. That's kind of enough said. So it's kind of, hard to bet against them. But I feel like this year, the Cavaliers team is not the same. Obviously, the years that he got to the NBA Finals in Cleveland, he had Kyrie Irving. You know, he doesn't have that anymore. I'm not sure he has enough. The thing for me is the guy had 46 points yesterday and it still looked like he didn't break a sweat in his interview, you know. And, uh, and he could he could have done more. And so LeBron is still the most unselfish superstar I've ever seen. You know, he affects the game in multiple ways. He scores, he rebounds, he assists, he's playing defense. I mean, so he's willing to, he's able to do more. And when the other guys kind of get into their rhythm, J.R. Smith, you get, um, you know, other guys stepping up. You know, um, you know, of course, you know, certain guys, you know, I mean, they, they're still trying to find a rhythm after the trade. You know, Kevin Love, you know, he's still kind of finding his timing and his rhythm. Once he gets going, you know, I think they'd be right there. I think people are underestimating him, and LeBron loves that. For sure, for sure. We're talking to former NBA player Mo Evans. So, looking at the West, uh, to me, Warriors, Rockets, OKC as the dark horse. That's in terms of the favorites. If the Warriors are healthy, in my mind, I can't see any team – beating Steph, Clay, Draymond, and, and then Kevin Durant. I, I can't see any team beating that starting lineup. Those four guys, of course, I, you got to add another guy. But at the end of the day, I can't see a team beating those four guys. Can you? Again, I mean, anybody can be beat. But um, I think it's going to be extremely difficult, as you said, with that, with that nucleus, with that confidence, with them being having gone to the, the final three years in a row themselves, and also, you know, even with, um, you know, obviously Seth is, is, is a super talent and one of my favorite players to watch um, right now in the, today's NBA. But even if Steph, unfortunately, is unable to come back with until three or four weeks, I still think they got enough to be able to sustain winning until he gets back. And I think that, you know, um, you know, they have a strong team. I think that, you know, I still think they and the Rockets are going to be the two that are going to, you know, um, you know, it's, it's one of those two that's going to come out of the West. And one of those two, in my opinion, would be the eventual champion. Which one? You going to pick one? <laughs> Again, I'm still going with Golden State. I mean, I still okay. think the Golden State has a – if Steph comes back, I think it's going to be 
Um, I think they, I think they have, I think they have, they, I, I feel, I think the Rockets are a really good team. I think they got a ton of weapons, but I don't think they got enough of a complete game. You know, if they're not hitting those threes, Golden State can match them from a shooting perspective and scoring. So that's not going to be it. And um, I know everyone says that they've improved their defense, but they haven't improved their defense playing against uh, a, a full, a fully um, um, healthy uh, Warrior team. We're talking to former NBA player Mo Evans. So let's go off the court for a moment, kind of on the court. To look at the Spurs, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, it, it's been a, a, a weird situation. You know, played in only nine games due to a quad injury. Strange situation from the standpoint that Leonard's been rehabbing with his own medical team in New York City. At this point, you get you get the sense that obviously he's probably not going to play this year. How do you view that whole situation with Kawhi Leonard? Well, for me, again, I'm not one for uh, adversity these days. I've had enough of my own with all of the Billy Hunter and all of the challenges that we have with that type of stuff. But just to, to say the least, with the Spurs, um, you know, they're a class act organization. You know, everybody models after them around the league. And so to be able to see uh, a player come out and kind of uh, buck that system in terms of their rehab, their, their um, you know, and, 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 and not necessarily going with a suggested program, you know, it's hard to, uh, to, to understand it. And I don't have enough information to know why Kawhi doesn't feel comfortable, um, you know, with their rehab plan that they've given him. But, you know, they're, they're obviously, you know, a, a, a upper echelon uh, team um, in professional sports, period, right, Re- regardless of, of genre, you know. But, but for them to have that type of challenge, there's something else going on. Yeah, it's definitely uh, an interesting situation. It's kind of hard to figure out what is going on there. Like you said, the Spurs organization, uh, an organization that a lot of teams want to emulate. So, it's very difficult to understand exactly what is going on with Kawhi Leonard. So last year, last time we saw you on a court, it was in the big three, you know, last summer. I mean, you got, got out there again. How did it feel to get back out there on that court competitively? It felt great to go out and, uh, and, and, and be a, amongst the guys and uh, play for our fans. The, the challenge was, was that it was three on three. To me, three-on-three is something that's a little bit more relaxed. It's something that people play a lot of times on weekends with your buddies. And, you know, that league, um, they want to make it a really ultra-competitive league. And I think that, you know, as you guys get a lot of older guys like ourselves that are out there, this, the more evidence that, that they saw is not, you know, that you saw playing, dunking on guys and doing all the corner threes. I mean, I still got corner threes for days, but I don't got all the dunks and all the other things that, that fans are wanting to see. And AI, if we found out, this killer crossover, has, it, it, it was buried back about 10 years ago, you know, and, and it, it's gone forever, you know, from him anyway. So I think that that's a little bit kind of comical in some ways. <laughs> yeah, you know, his killer crossover has been killed, basically. I mean, it's, it's dead at this point. Most I mean, certainly. you know, moving forward, I mean, can the league survive? I, I, I was a little skeptical because of pretty much what you mentioned. You know, guys are not the same. But, it, you know, it, it, it seemed to be fairly popular, and, and it's always good that it goes on during the summertime because there's not a lot going on. But do you see a future with the big three? 
Man, you know what? I mean, what I what I can't say is that you got to applaud IQ's efforts for even doing something that no one else has done. You know, rounding up players who are really popular, who fans still resonate with, who have followings and things of that nature, and giving them a, a platform to still go out and play and compete. And, uh, you know, and if they could, um, you know, obviously making it competitive, but if anybody's trying to mistake the big three for being another alternative to the NBA and to college basketball and all those things, I think that's where it gets lost in translation. The big three is, is just another uh, point of engagement. We can still see some competitive basketball, still engage some of your, your favorite stars, players, and NBA players that you had not seen in a while, and that's what it should be. It's just that. But if anybody's trying to say who won the big three last year, who was the MVP, who was the this and who was the that, half the people don't even know what the names of the teams. The teams are getting shuffled around every year, replacing one player with the next and things of that nature. You don't build continuity with the league in that way. Right. So, so let me ask you this. You know, you got a new book coming out. You know, you, you, what is the book going to be about? What, what is your plan with this book? Well, most people, you know, there's an article that came out. It was pretty funny about some of the, the best-selling authors. And, and nowadays, almost everybody's a best-selling author on Amazon. And, you know, if you're blessed to be a New York Times bestseller and things of that nature, there's, there's the anomalies, they make millions of dollars and things of that nature. But for the most people, most people just have a book as a brand asset, you know. And for me, it was a great accomplishment to be able to write a book. I didn't write the book to talk about, you know, uh, uh, regurgitate all the things that you'll see on Wikipedia about my NBA career. I wrote the book, uh, Talk Every Level of Success, Winning That Matters, and um, I, I've gleaned a lot of life lessons from a lot of the most successful people that I've ever that I've played with on and off the court, people that I've been in business with. So what I did is I put together a playbook on how to build and achieve sustainable success. Okay. All right. So give us a little glimpse. What is the playbook for success? For one, um, most people fail to understand their identity, you know, and who they are. So they're always in search of what looks like success, meaning trying to emulate someone else's. Take a basketball player, for for example. You know, if you're going out and you're playing ball and you, you, know, you don't know what your strengths are, if you're a three-point shooter, if you're athletic or whatever, you're trying to look and trying to be Michael Jordan. Well, if you don't have the skill set to be Michael Jordan, you need to be who you are. Steph Curry doesn't try and be Michael Jordan. He goes out and leverages his competitive advantage, which is the fact that he can shoot better than anybody who's ever played the game or arguably as good as anybody who's played the game. So in the same way, success, we all have what we call intangibles, right? We call uncommonalities, and we all have what I refer to in the book as a winning space. And so based upon your winning space, your uncommon experiences and knowledge and talents and gifts and all those different things, when you leverage them in the right way, it gives you uh, an advantage. And then that advantage is where you can go out and increase and make a living and, and, and essentially dominate um, in what we call, as I said, your winning space. Okay. So at the end of the day, be yourself is, is kind of what you're saying. Yeah, be yourself. But more importantly than being yourself, you still got to, you know, everybody wakes up every day as who you are. But I'm saying leveraging your gifts is a completely different example. To be the expert in your space is being able to leverage and take advantage of all of the things that you've accomplished. Like for Mo Evans to try and go out there right now and be an NBA player, whether it's in the big three or in the NBA right now at 39, that's not my winning space. That was great when I was 26, 29, 30. 
but now I'm 39. I'm a father now. I'm a husband. I'm all these other things. I'm an entrepreneur. So if I'm still trying to live off of who I was, you keep saying it throughout the podcast, former NBA player, right? I can't go out trying to still be the NBA player and live off of that brand and that name forever because it has a shelf life. So now you have to find out what am I the competitive advantage of? You said it. I wake up. I'm still Mo Evans today whether I wake up or, you know, regardless, right? So now I need to go out and be the expert in my new field, which is now being an author and entrepreneur and all those other things, right? Leveraging what I did in the past. Who is Mo Evans Entrepreneur? Mo Evans Entrepreneur. I mean, my, my signature is, is, is sports business. You know, that's where I uh, cut my teeth, so to speak. Obviously, I have extensive knowledge and efficacy as a player. I have credibility in that space. I was, um, you know, a former vice president of the Player Association, helped negotiate the current collective bargaining agreement and all those different things. So that gives me a great insight into sports business. And that's what I get paid to do is to consult with companies we have our own and you know technology-based companies and things of that nature that's what i really love to do nowadays you i've heard you say in the past that you you felt like your career was kind of cut short because of some of your work uh with the players association and everything any regrets from on your part with that no, not at all. And for me to say, uh, you know, I think I think the, the mischaracterization that that is cut short. I mean, I played 11 years, you know, and to to squeeze out two or three more would have been, you know, great. But at the end of the day, I don't have any regrets at all with regard to how long I played. Nor would I ever have changed anything that I did in the during the uh, negotiations. I did a great a great job. It was a blessed experience. You know, we. I mean, if you look at the deal. That, that the CBA has, you know, you see all of the um, the, the benefits. Players are getting max, maximum contracts, getting paid more than, than they've ever had. You know, if you look at it right now, there's 450 players in the NBA. Those guys will, between April, between November and April, will have been paid more than $3 billion collectively. That's as a direct result of what we were able to do with that uh, collective bargaining agreement. So I'm thankful to be able to see those guys benefit in the way that they have as a result of the hard work and the sacrifices that not only I made, but all the other players who negotiated there, Billy Hunter and the, and, the, and the MBPA staff. And it's unfortunate that such dissension took place after we had such a big win. I mean, you see a lot of guys making a lot of money. And from my standpoint, that's always a great thing to see athletes, people for that matter, get paid, maximize their potential, maximize their earnings potential. To me, that's always a great thing, and it's good to see players, you know, doing that. I want to ask you this. You played with Kobe Bryant. You played against Kobe Bryant. What made Kobe Bryant Kobe Bryant? What made Kobe Bryant uh, Kobe Bryant was that he was um, one of the biggest students of the game that I've ever been around, and when you match someone's worth ethic, with a great talent, you know, that's when you get an unbelievable, uh, you know, person and player and ambassador of a game, of a sport, like, like a Kobe Bryant, like a Michael Jordan, and in other sports, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, 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 you know, uh, whomever, you know, and uh, Tom Brady's and all those different things. I mean, talent is great, but it's so many of the most talented players I've ever seen don't always have the discipline. They don't always have the character and the worth ethic. And he had all of those different things. And that's why you see somebody like him who even on his last game, he gets a 60-point game on the way out the door. Yeah, that was, that was special. That was, that was something uh, pretty amazing 
and, and it's only fitting. You know, you almost expect that from a guy like Kobe Bryant. You know, he shot a lot of shots, but that's who he is. I mean, he's, he's going to put it up. He's competitive. He's going to try to make it happen, and he made it happen throughout his career, and it made it happen on his final game. So, end of the day, going back to the NBA playoffs, end of the day, who is going to walk away with that Larry O'Brien trophy? Again, I still, I still, uh, until the champion is upseated, man, I think you got to, you know, you have to go, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I think a lot of people are underestimating the Warriors. Same way I said with Cleveland, I think that they're all relishing in this role as an underdog, even though they're the champions. So I still give it to the Golden State Warriors. And you can circle back with me in a couple, couple months to see, see how accurate that is. Okay. One more question. Looking at, two more actually, look at, the MVP, we talked about James, you know, James Harden, LeBron James, you know, those two seem to be the two favorites. I actually think it's going to be Harden at the end of the day. Who do you think should be the MVP? I mean, you said it best. I mean, James Harden, you know, should definitely be the MVP this year. I think that, you know, a couple of years back, he, he and Steph should have been co-MVPs. Um, I'm not sure why they don't do that more. I mean, I think that if, you know, that, 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 I think it's, it's it's a shame that a lot of times they they it's almost like they they take turns you know passing out the MVP award you know to people they say oh man this guy hasn't had it and you know he affected his team you know more than anybody else well arguably there's one player on every team that you know if you took the player off the team they wouldn't be who they are you know I mean right. so it, it to me that's that's not a, a necessarily a fair criteria to um, for, for for MVP of the league. Right, and so I think James Harden has obviously um, he's continued year after year after not being awarded that that honor. Um, he's continued to be dominant. He's a really great player, and he had a, a heck of a year this year. Um, so I, I think that for sure he he's going to end up winning the award. And in terms of Rookie of the Year, we've heard this argument and this debate going back and forth. Ben Simmons, obviously, this is his second year, but he didn't play last year. Therefore, he is eligible to be a rookie this year. And, of course, Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. Both of these guys have big-time years. Both of their teams would not be where they're at without those two guys. End of the day, who is Mo Evans' rookie of the year? Again, it's really it's really a, a, tough, a, tough, uh, a tough call because both guys, as you said, deserve it. And I think that, you know, to, 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 to uh, Donovan Mitchell's credit, you know, he's a true rookie. And he's and he's had a, a stellar year and, and, and he's impacted his team greatly and I love I love how he plays, you know, with uh with such aggressiveness and, and super talent. And when you look at Ben Simmons, you know, Ben Simmons has, has, has really turned the corner uh, significantly after coming back from injury and barely getting to play last year, not getting to play at all. You know, this guy is uh man, really wouldn't be who they are without him as well. Yeah, it's definitely but I would go with Donovan Mitchell just because he's a true rookie. Okay, all right. So you're going Mitchell because of a true rookie. I, I can see that, but I feel like, I mean, if we're going to say Ben Simmons is a rookie and the NBA says Ben Simmons is a rookie, I got to go with Ben Simmons because of the way he affects the game in many different ways. I mean, rebounds the basketball, you know, assists the basketball. I mean, he does a lot of different things and, and can do a lot of different things. But, I, I mean, I, I feel you. I, I definitely feel, you know, that argument. But I feel like 
I agree with I agree I agree with your I, I, I agree with your assessment in that he is definitely the better well rounded player in affecting this team. But again, being having played and all of that and as you said, I get it, the NBA recognizes him and all that, but you know, he's been able to sit back and watch and be around the game at this level for for an additional season. And that's a long time, man. You learn a lot about basketball being around these great players and that's why his comfort level is so much greater. And uh, than, than a rookie, quote unquote, rookie player, right? But you know, I think that you can't go wrong with either one of those guys winning that award. Uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you, and that you know, that sums it all up. You really can't go wrong whether it's Mitchell, whether it's Simmons, who wins the Rookie of the Year award. So, where can fans find out about all the information about your new book, your company? Where can fans go to get information about all that you have going on? Yeah, so the website for us is ELOS360.com and, uh, you know, at one Mo Evans um, on uh, Instagram. So, um, you know, anybody want to follow me or send a shout-out, man, I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me on the show today, man. I really appreciate it. For sure. Take care of yourself. Love to do it again. Sounds great, man. You have a good one, bro.